Hey, welcome back to the Relentless Positivity Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Martin. Hey, I've been really looking forward to this one right here. I've been a stand-up comedy fan my whole life, and I got an expert on here. I had to, I had to go out. We were talking right before we came on that uh, I had some pretty serious subjects on here lately, so we need to lighten things up, and I got the man for the job. His name is Scott Edwards, and he has had a colorful life. So he's been on what he calls the fringe of show business for 40-plus years. Uh, he's produced live comedy shows, TV series, concerts, even opened up his own comedy club, one of the most successful clubs in America. Uh, over the years, uh, see if you've heard of any of these people he has worked with over the years. Uh, Jay Leno, Jerry Seinfeld, Bob Saget, Dana Carvey. And that's just kind of scratching the surface right there. And and also just along the way, he uh, he happened to own a dozen other companies. Uh, things like having his own submarine, a beach shack, a disco producer. Hey, Scott, what a life, man. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Scott Edwards, and I'm so happy to be here with Joe Martin. Yes, Joe. Man, man you're incredible. Your podcast is so positive. Uh, I got to tell you, though, you talk a thousand miles an hour. So I, I, that positive adrenaline keeps you going. I'm, I'm so excited to be on your show. Thank you, sir. Well, I messed around, had a cup of coffee before I came on here. So, man, I'm, I'm talking a little fast right now. I'm from Alabama. We don't normally talk this fast. So this is sped up for me. <laughs> that is so true. The, the South has a... Uh, more of a reputation for hey i'm happy to be here yeah but man, uh, I, you are you are certainly are blowing that out of the water oh yeah that caffeine <laughs> will do it for you i'm on i'm, I'm a performance enhancing drugs right now for this this podcast so uh so well, you, <laughs> you have a terrific podcast and it is relentlessly positive it's been so great listening to some of your shows helping people through uh uh, difficult things like losing a child and breast cancer and, and alcoholism. Uh, what you're doing is really positive for the podcast listeners that you have. And, and uh, thanks for what you're doing. It's, it's sometimes difficult topics, but uh, you're able to shine a light on things that I think will help people. So uh, good job, young man. I appreciate that. You know, in, in the worst of times, there's always something good you can bring out of it, right? So there's, there's things happen for a reason. So uh, we talked about I'm from Alabama. How about yourself? Where did you where did you where did you grow up? I'm a Northern California kid. Right now, I'm in Sacramento. Pretty much okay. been my home base. I did uh, spend some time in L.A. and some time in the uh, East Bay area, but uh, I'm a Sacramento kid, and that is the capital of what used to be the uh, Golden State. We're we're a little tarnished these days under Governor Nuisance, but uh, we're uh, you know doing what we can to survive. I'm one of the few that uh, has wanted to, but not moved out just yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've had some friends over there that own gyms out that way, and they've, they've had some rough, rough times, but they're, they're persevering, yeah. so. Well, no, definitely you have to stay strong and stay positive, right? Ah, there you go. It's a theme, right? So uh, what kind of kid were you? What were you into growing up? Um, You know, I it was kind of funny. I was a bit of a nerd, bit of a quiet kid. I uh, In um, high school, the uh, center page of our yearbook was uh, me with a, a gun to my head as it was going off. Not not one of your social uh, uh, guys that everybody connected with, but uh, I've always been, um, and I don't know if I was forced into it. I started working when I was 15 and started my first company at age 17, a small construction company, had that for a few years. And by the way, it's still operating today with one of my partners. Uh, and then after that, I opened up a portable disco 
operation. Yes, everybody, I'm old disco. I have the <laughs> shirts and the pants, um, but I used to be a bouncer and DJ, and I started a company called Sounds Good Music, and we per put uh, equipment into uh, restaurants like Steak and Ale and in other places. When disco was hot, uh, this was back in the late 70s, uh, mid-70s. That company is still going today, so that's kind of cool. And then at age 24, uh, I was inspired by a vacation. I was uh, selling life insurance. I'm pretty miserable in life. And I was on vacation with my then-girlfriend, soon-to-be wife, soon-to-be ex-wife. And we went to the comedy store uh, in uh, right by UCLA University and checked out for the first time stand-up comedy this new art form that really there was only a, a maybe 10 clubs in the whole country uh previous to that stand-up comedy was kind of the thing you saw between strippers at a strip club or between jazz bands at a uh, uh dance hall and stand-up comedy had not become an accepted art form yet and i was just blown away uh sacramento for being the capital of this big state is really kind of was at least back in 1980, very rural rice fields, a lot of farmers. And uh, there was no real variety art form or theater really going on that was strong. And I saw this stand up comedy I, that night. I met Dave Coulier, Sandra Bernhardt, George Wallace, and I go, man, we, Sacramento needs this. So I, uh, in the six hour drive back to Sacramento, I, in my head, I figured out what I needed to do, uh, went bankrupt, which wasn't a smart idea. I've made a lot of mistakes, uh, <laughs> negotiated the free use of a banquet room in a nice restaurant and opened up laughs unlimited, an all comedy showroom in August of 1980. I was able to build that into an empire of three comedy clubs, two restaurants, a couple art galleries, and a whole lot of fun. Whoop. Wow, man, give yourself the applause on that one, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, we have to go a little bit better. Kids. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, so uh, if, if people don't know, when when would you say the comedy boom was back in the day? So when I opened Laughs Unlimited, the very first club, it was the 12th full-time comedy club in the entire United States. Uh, and it, too, is still operating today, uh, 42 years later. Very proud of that. Um, but it was still kind of an underground entertainment art form. However, by 1985, it was like Starbucks. There was a comedy club in every corner. All the discos I helped design and build became comedy clubs. It was um, a real growing, acceptable form of uh, entertainment. And, uh, and then the TV show started, Evening at the Improv, stuff like that. And stand-up comedy has been a strong bastion for not only entertainment, but free speech ever since. Right. Yeah. It's more important now than ever, right? So uh, there's been tons of comedy clubs come and go. The ones you're involved in are still around. So I'm sure people are like, well, what's the big deal? Just, you know, get you a stage, get some funny people up there and let's go. So what's the, uh, what's the secret sauce behind what makes a comedy club successful? Well, what's interesting about opening a, a comedy club, Joe, is that it's not just a comedy club. Uh, all of them serve food, so you're a restaurant. You have to serve drinks, so you're a bar. So I had to learn how to run a restaurant, run a bar, and provide uh, nightly entertainment. And what I would recommend to anybody out there that are uh, 
thinking about becoming an entrepreneur, there's no reason to recreate the wheel. So before I opened the club, just like my construction company and my music company, I spoke to people in the industry and I picked their brain. People love to talk about their successes and their um, tra uh, tragedies. And so before I opened the comedy club, I spoke to other club owners. I spoke to a lot of comics, uh, people like Bob Saget, uh, Dave Coulier, uh, Gary Shandling, George Wallace, all gave me advice that helped me. That was like the foundation of my comedy club. In fact, in August of 1980, my very first opening act, he got paid $150 for a whole week work, uh, worth of work. It was his first gig out of Phoenix, Arizona, was Gary Shandling. Wow. If you're like 18 years old and you're listening to us, Google Gary Shandling. He's a legend. <laughs> in case you haven't heard yeah, of he's done movies, television. He had the Larry Sanders show, the Gary Shandling show. Uh, uh, sadly, he's passed on, but he was uh, uh, co-host on The Tonight Show. I mean, he's he did it all. But back in 1980, he was just coming out of his hometown of Phoenix and getting his uh, um, finding his comedy voice on stage. Uh, somebody else that maybe your audience has heard of. In um, 1981, there was a uh, TV show called Bosom Buddies. You'll have to Google this. But the star of that show had to do a comedy set, and he didn't know what he was doing. So a good friend of mine and a good friend of his, Mr. Bob Saget, brought him to my club, and he worked for a whole week learning what it was like to be a stand-up comic. Bob helped him on the writing of the material. I helped him with the performance. And then about a week and a half later, we saw it on the Bosom Buddies TV show. Oh, by the way, that actor was uh, uh, Tom Hanks. Oh, I think I've heard of that guy. <laughs> yeah, man, that's, how cool is that? That he meant that that role meant that much to him that he would go so in depth. Not many people would do that, right? Stand up comedy right. is not easy. Yeah, Tom, of course, wasn't a famous actor at the time. He had just gotten the starring role in this his very first show, Bosom Buddies, and. Um, and for those that don't know, it was two guys trying to save money by living in a girl's dorm. And, and they're, you know, it, it was a funny show at the time, but uh, nobody knew who Tom was. And, and of course, uh, he turned out to be one of our uh, nation's best actors. But he is a method actor. He wanted to understand how to perform comedy. And Bob Saget, who was a good friend of mine and his, um, you know, wrote material for him that ended up appearing on the TV show. So it was uh, really exciting to have that as many of my great experiences, but that's one of the good ones. Oh, that's awesome. So we, we've kind of mentioned some of the legends that you've worked with over the years. So you've seen, you've seen them all over the years. So who's the best to do it of all time, in your opinion? Oh, you can't pick a favorite. Come on. They're can all you get a top three? Uh, get a top, how about a top three? Uh, Harry Anderson was one of the best. Uh, oh, yeah comic magicians he was on cheers he had night court uh an amazing nice guy uh there was uh i got a chance to work with and book graham chapman from monty python um oh. tommy chong from cheech and chong has been on my stage robin williams uh hit my stage a couple times but i do tell people that one of my personal favorite monologists and everybody use the Googler and go research Larry Miller. Oh, yeah. Larry Miller has done over 100 movies, uh, over 200 TV shows. Uh, one of the best stand-up comedy monologists ever. Uh, I don't know if he, you know, Joe, it's interesting. 
I'm not sure how you would do today because everyone's got that short attention span. He did not tell, you know, joke, 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 like maybe a Stephen Wright or somebody. He would tell eight, 10, 12 minute long stories and just have everybody on the floor the whole time. Uh, one of the examples, he's got a famous bit called the 12 steps of uh, uh, alcohol. And it's just so funny. And he was a regular at my club. Uh, he is part of the uh, funniest men in America. I'm sorry, funniest men in the universe club, which is Jerry Seinfeld, Paul Reiser, Larry Miller, Mark Schiff, all out of New York. And when he came out from New York, I was one of his first clubs and uh, a great, great guy. Oh, yeah. My son and I just watched uh, The Nutty Professor not too long ago with uh, Eddie Murphy and Larry Miller. He's classic in that one. If you've, if you've seen that movie, he's he's the, kind of the straight guy that he's always. Yeah, getting into, yeah he's but yeah, those I don't I'm that's a good interesting question. Would he still be relevant these days with those long stories with people's attention span? Like I well, coach middle school football and these kids, it's like that, man. 15 seconds is all you get. Right, right. He's still funny. It's just the audience has changed a bit. Would right. they be patient enough to hear the funny? His first movie role was he was the suck up salesman in Pretty Woman. Yeah. So if anybody remembers Pretty Woman, he was uh, really good in that. Uh, it was a short scene, but it, it helped make his career. But there's been lots. I mentioned Bob Saget. He helped me get started. Dave Coulier, both from Full House, uh, were regulars at my club for many, many years and helped me get started. But uh, Paula Poundstone, when she first came out from Boston, absolutely sucked on stage. But I saw this a nugget of talent in her. She's kind of bizarre, kind of esoteric. I let her work multiple weeks in a row, which never happened again in the history of my clubs, to help her develop. And then it was people like Gary Shandling and Robin Williams that kind of took her under their wings. And, and she's the comedian that she is now. Uh, but there's been a hundred stories. Uh, it's been a great life, to be honest. Thanks, Joe. Oh, yeah. Share it. Yeah, it's really cool, man. What, what better life to be around a bunch of the funniest people ever? So, all right, that's kind of over the years. But how about modern day? Who's some people that you like these days that are doing it the greatest, you think? Well, I, you know what's interesting, Joe? Um, and I don't want to shock your audience, but after spending 21 years in the industry, I didn't go out to a lot of clubs after I sold mine. You know, when you live a, um, owning a nightclub and you're working every night from about four in the afternoon to about two in the morning um, every night and for years, decades, when you get done with that, you're not that anxious to get out. You know, I don't go to big New Year's parties because I used to throw them, right? right I, yeah. uh, after you've hosted you know, 20 years of uh, two New Year's a night. We used to do New York New Year's and California New Year's every uh, year. It, you know, so I don't go out at New Year's. I, I don't, I haven't been to a lot of comedy clubs there. So I can't really share any of my personal favorites. A, um, But people may know Brian Poussain from yeah. the Big Bang Theory. Uh, he started at my club as an opening act and, and we helped him develop his persona and he's got on and is still out there performing. Um, my podcast, Stand Up Comedy, your host and MC, is a celebration of my 40 plus years in the business. But it is focused on uh, the people that were caught that wave of stand up comedy. Um, but anyway, it uh, so uh, sadly, I don't have a good answer for you. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll just go with Brian Poussaint. That's a good one. That's good enough for me. That guy's hilarious. So yeah, he, uh, he's he's a great guy. But you know, Carlos Ellis Rocky, who uh, got his start at my club, went on to uh, Reno 911, the TV show, and now the movies. He's a, a voice actor and has done a lot of animation. And he was the original Taco Bell Chihuahua dog. Uh, you know, there, there's a lot of guys that are still out working. Uh, and what's great is a lot of the guys that work for me, Jay Leno, Jerry Seinfeld, Ray Romano, they love stand-up comedy so much. They're still out touring. They're still out performing. Just like Bob Saget, sadly, before he passed unexpectedly, he was on the road. He was doing concerts. Uh, stand-up comedy is um, an art form that really it gives something back to the entertainer. It's Obviously, it's giving something to the audience, but the entertainers get so much from it that they miss it so even these guys are millionaires and they've worked you know they could easily retire they're back out on stage they love it that's right yeah you mentioned george wallace earlier he's coming to my town i think next week so he's still out doing it so he's he's one of the legends of all time he's still out doing it he's the godfather of comedy for those who don't know you can use him uh see him on the googler as well he had his own theater show in las vegas for over 12 years i did a great interview with him uh, on my podcast. And the reason I have a relationship with George Wallace going way back to August of 1980, my very first show that I mentioned, Gary Shandling was the opening act. The headliner was George Wallace. Oh, wow. Small world. Isn't that comedy is a small world, isn't it? <laughs> well, 40 years later, <laughs> yeah, we've all changed a little bit. That's right. Now, these are kind of the, the well-known people, but over the years, who was someone that you, you just knew they were going to make it big, they were hilarious, but they never kind of kind of made it to the big time? Who who's some people that pop in your head when you think about that? Oh, there, there's actually been so many, you know, just like everything else in life, Joe, there's that 1%, I call them the ones that got the golden ticket, yeah. uh, so the Ray Romanos, the Jay Leno's, the um, Dana Carvey, for example, who uh, was one of my regular early acts. But there are so, so many that made a great career out of comedy. Uh, Jeff Jenna, Tim Bedore, Steve Bruner, uh, Lois Bromfield, Diane Nichols, uh, that had great careers, got a little bit of TV, made some money, toured their whole life. Some of them are still out uh, working cruise ships and in one-man shows. Don Friesen is, is uh, great at that, that are still uh, really gave a lot to the industry, but they're not famous. In fact, my stand-up uh, comedy, your host and MC podcast, in the intro, we say that we're uh, interviewing and listening to comedy from the famous and not so famous. <laughs> yeah. You know, even back in the day, there there wasn't many that uh, huge options like we have now for getting famous. You know, it's either kind of get on the tight show or you got your own sitcom, right? That was kind of the ways to the top, right? Now there's so many options with podcasts and movies and TV shows and streaming networks and, you know, all these ways to get your, and you could, I mean, back in the day, I remember if you got a, you know, a Showtime special or an HBO special, you know, it's, that was a big time. Well, it is, it's interesting because there's more ways to get some fame, but I think there's less opportunity to be famous. Sure. Because it's so diversified, you know, you're absolutely correct. In the 80s and 90s, if you got the Tonight Show, people like Ray Romano and um, uh, Gary Shandling, they did the Tonight Show and boom, they were stars and they got sitcoms and stuff. Uh, if you tried that today, you could do five or six Tonight Shows and still nobody would know your name, right? That's true. Yeah. It's changed. A uh, great story, Joe. 
um, one of uh, on a, it was a Thursday night after the show. I was hanging out in a jacuzzi with uh, uh, having cocktails with Dana Carvey, and he was kind of nervous and excited. And I said, "Hey, buddy, what's going on?" And he goes, "I just got a phone call from Lorne Michaels. They want me in New York on Monday." to showcase for Saturday night live. And I was like, well, that's awesome. He goes, yeah, but I'm, you know, he was nervous. And of course, Saturday night live put Dana Carvey on the map with the uh, church lady and, and many of his Hans and Franz, many of his characters. Uh, but Dana had been working for me for years, great stand-up comic, great comic musician, but that phone call, that invite to Saturday night live, boom, you know, shot him off. It, it just, can happen that easy or it may never happen. Yeah, that's cool, man. That's, I can't imagine like you see these guys that are, they're so well known just being nervous about doing their thing, but that just, they're still human though. Right. So that's, that's a good little, little intro to that. So, uh, you've, you've been around comedians 40 plus years. I know you have stories. You could probably tell them all day. What's kind of some, some of the funniest thing you think, maybe a couple from over the years that might pop in your head. Well, I wanted to share, you were talking about how people, um, are still nervous, even though they're they're very good at their craft. Um, a lot of people may not realize Robin Williams, who had that machine gun mentality, that Rolodex in his head, that no matter what topic came up, he could do something funny with it. And his style of comedy was, I'm going to throw out 10 things, and if six or seven hit, I'm, I've got the crowd, right? And he was successful with that in comedy. He turned into a, a genius actor. But as a comedian, which he did, he loved it. He was always getting back on stage. But what a lot of people don't know is that off stage, he was very quiet, almost shy, very reserved. Uh, he was on my stage twice. And he, um, when he was done with his set, and probably because he put out so much energy on stage, there was this kind of like, right? He would just sit and just be very calm. And when he talked to people, he was quiet you know, not what you saw on stage. So the, I always thought that was interesting. Uh, but one of the fun stories from the early days, it was a Wednesday night. There was maybe uh, 18, 20 people in the audience. And um, the headliner was Gary Shandling. And uh, one of the gentlemen got up to go to the restroom. And Gary was like halfway through a set. And he goes, well, crap, we just lost a high percentage of the audience. <laughs> so... He took the whole audience out across the hall and into the men's room. So this guy's <laughs> at the urinal trying to do his business. Here comes Gary Shandling, all these men and women, you know, about 17 other people. We all cram into the restroom. Gary stood right behind the guy and then just went on with his set like nothing was wrong. <laughs> it was so oh, funny it never happened again it was an amazing moment in comedy and and by the way the guy did wash his hands we all made sure that <laughs> <laughs> you got to now the pressure's on right 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 but that that was a fun moment there there's been a lot we used to have a comic uh peter galke who uh you you wouldn't know the name but he's he's written a couple movies he's uh, performed in a couple movies very funny stand-up comedy a little bit different though there was a time that he was so funny. He needed a volunteer and, and it's hard to get volunteers sometimes on stage to do a physical bit. And uh, he had this great thing that he was out doing a set. And then he got this rope and he throws it out the middle aisle and he pretends to rappel into the audience, 
grabs a woman out of her chair and pretends to climb back up on stage with this woman in tow. Well, he had a volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> so you never know what you're going to get in a comedy club. Oh, that's amazing. So yeah, you talk about Robin Williams being an actor. So if you've never seen him in Popeye, his finest hour was Popeye. You've never seen that. Shout out to my friend, Willie Tilly. So uh, my friend, Willie <laughs> Tilly, is in, he was in the Navy and he got a chance to meet Robin Williams and he joined the Navy because of Popeye. So he got to tell oh, Robin really? Williams <laughs> to his face, I joined the Navy because of you, both of Popeye. And he did 24 years, got out a uh, very high rank out of the Navy. So well, <laughs> Robin Willie, Williams, thanks for your service. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> he loves that movie. He'll force you to watch it if you ever sit down with him. Um, so yeah, you, you, <laughs> Robin Williams, great actor. So that was just one of his little pieces. There's some singing in there, a lot of winking in there. So it's a, it's a, it's a heck of a role. So, Hey, I know we all know that guy that says uh, the funny at work guy, so to speak that, Hey, I'm funny. I, I could do stand up. What's the difference between the funny at work guy and a real working comedian? Well, Joe, that's a great question. And thank you for asking it. Um, first off, it's great to be a, a strong personality. You want to, it's, it's good to engage with your family or your coworkers and be able to be upbeat, bring some positivity to the atmosphere, the aura of whatever you're dealing with. And comedy is certainly an easy, great way to do it. But I think that it's important that people realize there's a huge difference between entertaining people at work or your family and then some paid strangers in a comedy club. So I recommend anybody and everybody to try stand-up comedy once or twice. You're probably going to bomb. Don't worry about it. It's a great feeling. And you get over stage fright, which is a real thing. Um, it helps teach you something about yourself. Uh, you should try to write your own material, talk about yourself, maybe be a little self-deprecating and talk about your family or where you live. And you only need two or three minutes. There's That's a long time on stage, but everybody should try it. But you bring up a good point, Joe, that entertaining strangers that paid for entertainment where there's an expectation that you're going to laugh is a whole different ball game. Now, those that are interested, I've written two books on stand-up comedy. One's called Be a Stand-Up Comic or Just Look Like One, <laughs> and one that just came out last December. It's available on Amazon called 20 Questions Answered About Being a Stand-Up Comic, and it's uh, uh, very affordable, makes a great Christmas gift, and uh, it has some basics on what it takes to be a professional, to go from amateur to professional stand-up comic. Oh man, so go get that book. And I, I, I need to go try it. I, I think I need to go bomb one day just to see what it feels like. So, um, well, Joe, you with your personality and positive attitude, the audience is going to, you know, the whole secret to stand up comedy is engaging with the audience and bringing them on a short journey, right? With your energy, your positive personality, uh, you have something to share when it comes to fitness and, and positive mental attitude. You're halfway there already. So I would definitely recommend it, Joey. I think you would have fun with it. I think so. Yeah, I may, I may need to pick up that book before I go up there, for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, a career has started. That's right. Y'all were here. Hey, that's just another one you've launched. So, And Joe's <laughs> on stage, so, you know, we can all enjoy it. See, I, need, I may need to bring that with me just in case you don't get any laughs. BYOL, bring your own laughter, right? So Yeah. Uh, so you are actually a comedy consultant. You've kind of mentioned over the years how you've kind of helped some people launch their careers. And that's, that's something you do. Tell me a little bit more about how, what you do for people. 
Well, it's it's mostly just sharing my experience. You know, with Tom Hanks back in the day, it was just uh, how to use a mic, uh, where to look when you're on stage, some of the basics of the physical aspect of it. It was Bob Saget that helped him with the writing. I'm not a comic. I don't write comedy. However, I was an MC and on stage uh, eight nights a week for over 21 years. So I have a way to... Uh, connect with an audience, control an audience, because I was also the club owner, and and be funny in the sense that I would interact with them, you know, birthdays or bridal showers and stuff. And you have to be able to uh, share and make something funny uh, kind of on, off the cuff, so not written material. And what I would share with people is I can watch somebody for just a few minutes and I know whether they have it or not. And I'll say, hey, you're really good, but you need to work on your writing or, uh, you know, your writing's good, but you need to use the mic correctly or maybe be a little more animated, you know, take the mic out of the stand and walk around and really engage with the audience. There's different techniques that really help you engage a great side story, if you don't mind, Joe. There was this really funny comic. He'd worked his way up to a featured act, which means he was doing about 30 minutes of material. Great writer. But after a couple of times being on my stage, I sat him down and I said, you know, you're a terrific writer, but you're you're not quite clicking as a performer, right? Uh, so funny material, but it wasn't being presented correctly. And I said, you know, there's once you into comedy, there's lots of ways you can go. You can go to showrunner, you can go to a writer, you can go to television or, or whatever. There's all these different uh, vehicles in stand-up comedy. Well, this gentleman by the name of Ed Solomon. So if people want to look him up, Ed Solomon uh, was a great writer, but not the best performer. And turns out he was a good writer. He ended up writing the script for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, wow. He did all the Men in Black movies. He's now doing the Now You See Me uh, movies, the magic ones. Uh, he's written, I think, seven or eight major motion pictures. Huge, huge millionaire with uh, homes in Europe and here. And But it started from stand-up comedy and learning how to write. And uh, uh, very proud of his success. He, he is a tremendous comic, tremendous comedy writer, and his movie scripts have, are famous. Wow. Man, you're rubbing elbows all kind of people out there, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just uh, been an exciting career. I mean, uh, more recently, I've had a chance, because of my podcast, to interview Neil Hassman, who was a manager to many celebrities, and also uh, talk to uh, uh, other comedy club owners like Bob Fisher from the Ice House, which is one of the earliest uh, when I mentioned I was the 12th club, he was probably the sixth club in the U.S. Uh, the Ice House is famous in Pasadena, California, and the owner, Bob Fisher, and I had a chance to have a conversation on my podcast. So uh, there's great wealth of information, uh, so much entertainment to share, and great stories, and podcasting is a great way to do that. Absolutely. And I'm going to link his podcast in the show notes in case you guys can't spell or anything like that. You can just click on something. So that's, that's my biggest thing. So I'll link that in the show notes. And uh, what's another way for people to keep up with you? What's your, is it website, social media? What's the best way to keep up with you? Well, uh, the stand-up comedy, your host and MC is the podcast. It does have a Facebook page. But the newest thing, it just launched uh, October 1st, Joe, is the Stand-Up Comedy Podcast Network. 
com standupcomedypodcastnetwork.com i've actually created a network or a location where anybody interested in stand-up comedy can go to there's about 12 different comedy-based podcasts by comics new and old uh there are jokes of the day there are videos of bob saget dave coulier dana carvey uh, jay leno on stage there's audio bites from my shows um, it's a one-stop location for anybody interested in stand-up comedy. Oh man, that sounds awesome. Also sounds like a good stocking stuffer, right? Just put that in there in the, in the old email box or something. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um, and a great opportunity, Joe, to be on your podcast. Cause you are such a positive guy. You're sharing a great message and comedy. In fact, uh, this is just a coincidence, but just uh, yet Wednesday, I don't know when this will air, but on Wednesday of this week, uh, October 12th, I launched a bonus show where uh, Dr. William Fry talks about how comedy and laughing is healthy. It uh, brings out endorphins in your body. It sends uh, positive feelings to your brain, can actually bring down your heart level and it laughing out loud can be a, a great um, sensation and value to your body. So positivity is important. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but I feel great right now. This has been, it's been a lot of fun for me. So this, I was, like I said, I've been really looking forward to this and, and you really brought it today. I had a great time talking with you today. Well, we'll have to do it again. Cause we'd even get to the submarine, the Hawaiian beak shack and all the other fun things but yeah comedy is is my base and joe it's been so fun sharing these stories with you and your listeners oh well thank you so much for coming on we're definitely gonna have you back because man I, this just just flew by and i have so many more questions but i want to be respectful of people's time so hey i'm gonna link all that stuff in show notes and you just keep up the great work keep people laughing and keep people engaged in the comedy world hey thank you and everybody keep listening to joe he does a good job joe Martin. Man, I got to get sound All effects. Right, enough of that. <laughs> I got to get on your level. I'm, I'm over here slacking on that. So yeah, I'm going to link all that. And you guys share this with somebody. Share the love of laughter with somebody. Somebody needs to laugh today. Share this podcast with them. Share his links with them. Check out what he's doing. Keep up with that. Check out his podcast. Hey, thanks again. We'll keep up with you, and I'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you, Joe. All right, guys. Go share this message, and we'll see you next week. Wow, what a great episode. You share that with somebody. I'm going to share with you some awesome sponsors. McWilliams Marketing. They can help your business grow. Regardless of the size of the project, you're going to get a solution that is specifically created for you and your business. No cookie cutter, one size fits approach here. So Amy and her band of fearless marketers can help you with all that stuff that you think you can do, but you're not really that good at it. You don't have time for it. They can do that. They're the experts. It's what they do. Web design, online conversion optimization, SEO, uh, graphic design, marketing, page management, all that stuff. Go let them do that. Don't handle that yourself. Go check them out at mcwilliamsmarketing.com. See what all they can do. They're amazing people. Teak Patnick with Patnick Realty. He really does it all in the real estate world. General real estate sales, acquisitions, property management, investments, all that good stuff. You're not just a transaction with Teak. He really wants to build a relationship for life with you. He has built his whole business on prayer, hard work ethic, honesty, and results. You can trust Patnick Realty with all your real estate needs. Hey, I trust my brother from another mother, Teak, and you should too. Give him a call, 256-694-0117, or email him at teak at patnickco.com. Hey, is your child struggling with math? Are you frustrated trying to help them? Then you need Mathnasium of Madison. They will meet your child where they are and help them get where they need to go. And they will do this in a positive and uplifting environment. 
You'll see measurable changes in attitude, confidence, and school progress. And go to their website, mathnasium.com slash madisonal, and sign up for the assessment. It is a risk-free and cost-free process that will tell you exactly where your child stands academically. Check them out again, mathnasium.com, madisonal. You know what you need in your life? Some apparel app. It's where I get all my t-shirts and the Hope Dealer stickers there and all my stuff over there. But you can brand just about anything you want there. Whether you have an idea of what you want or you have no idea where to start, they can help you. Go check out their website, apparelab.inc, I-N-K. You, or you can email them at theapparelab at gmail.com. Use a promo code RELENTLESS. Save yourself some money. Get some great products. Hey, these are awesome businesses. Go support them. They're out supporting positivity, and they will do you right. Have an awesome day.